Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Great. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the New Testament to Ephesians. I'm going to continue on in the series that you're looking at the armour of God and looking at the gospel of peace. So Ephesians 6, verse 14 and 15. The main passage we're going to look at today will be verse 15, but I'll read 14 just to frame it. It says this, Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I'll read verse 15 again. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Today I want to look at uh, what readiness means in this context, what readiness means in your situation, in your scenario. Um, I guess readiness in many ways talks about always being prepared and there's a well-known passage later on in the New Testament in 1 Peter where it says always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So always be prepared. Um, What does it mean to always be prepared in this context. Uh, Sim posted on Facebook on Friday that I'm coming to speak and I wonder how many fishing stories we'll get. So it seems fitting to start with a fishing story uh, about readiness. I think this might be the only one, so enjoy it. Um, There's many more if you want them. Talk to me afterwards. Uh, Recently, I was fishing in the States. I was fishing on the St. Lawrence River, which is a huge piece of water. Uh, It flows from Lake Ontario all the way out into the ocean. It's something around the region of 800 miles long and two to four miles wide. It's a piece. It is a huge, wild river. And you get some storms, and it's quite, it's quite exciting to, to be on something as, as big and epic as that. Um, as we were fishing, we noticed a pattern that when we would go out in the boat and throw lots of bait over the side, um, the fish would come in and we were catching lots of fish. When we stopped doing that, the shoals would move on and we would, we would stop catching. So there was one day, and it was quite rough, but the fishing slowed down. So we knew that we had to go out in the boat um, and bait the spots and, and, and invite them to the party, so to speak. Uh, my friend who was there with me stayed on the bank. I said, I'll go out in the boat. Now, the boat was low on fuel, and we knew it was low on fuel, but I, I'm quite the optimist, so I took the view. It'd be fine. We'll sh- I'm sure I'll make it. Um, and I did make it all the way out to the middle of the, the river. Uh, it's, as I said, it's a huge river. It's got a main shipping lane with with boats coming and going, and it was quite wild. There was quite a bit of splash coming over the side, but it was all good. Um, I threw the bait in the, in, the, in the spots where we were fishing and turned around and started to come back. The boat was about 20 foot long with a fairly sizable engine on the back, but in a piece of water that big, it's amazing how small and vulnerable you feel, uh, especially so when the engine started to cough and splutter and then stopped. Um, and I thought, okay, just... Best thing to do in this situation is not to be too frantic, but just, just restart the engine. So I gave the fuel tank a shake to see if that would make any more fuel appear. Um, <laughs> restarted the engine, and it worked for about 10 seconds, and then it stopped again. Um, I tried the same trick several times, and it wouldn't work. And there was this moment where I looked around and realized I was in the middle of the St. Lawrence River, US one side, Canada the other side, 
And for a moment, I, I said out loud, I think I'm going to be on the news tonight. Um, it was one of these moments where I thought, huh, I wonder where this is going to end up. Um, I had a look around. There was one token paddle, uh, the kind of paddle that would work quite well if you want a little kind of lilo at Bournemouth Beach, but not fitting for this occasion. Uh, I was ill-prepared. I was not ready. I was in trouble. Um, and I took the view that I've got no chance of rowing against this, but I'll just go with it and hope that I land in the right country. Um, try not to land across the international borderland in Canada, try and get back to the US. Uh, and over the course of the next half an hour or so, slowly the, with the current and my token paddle, I made it back. Um, I wandered back to my friend who looked at me and said, my goodness, where have you been all this time? Uh, he was not impressed at all. I was soaking wet by that point from all the waves coming over the side. But I made it back. I was not ready. I was not prepared. I was ill-prepared. Uh, but I made it back in the end. When I look at this passage in Ephesians, and it talks about readiness, and I read that passage in 1 Peter, and it talks about always being prepared. Um, I wonder if that is fitting of us in the context of the gospel in terms of having the story to tell easily, often, freely, in any and every situation. Uh, I wonder sometimes if we can do that. I was traveling last month and I needed directions. And I did something that some guys never do. I stopped, opened the window, and asked somebody directions. I wonder how many of you um, would do that. I, I, was not in, I was in the US at the time, so... My phone wasn't working, so I couldn't have just done what we would now all do and Google Maps for the answer. So I pulled down the window uh, and stopped and asked some of the directions. I said, I'm trying to get to this place. Do you know where it is? And the person said, yes, I do, which is a good start. I said, great. How do I get there? He said, if you go straight down this road across the next two sets of traffic lights, make a right turn at the third set or actually, actually I think it's the fourth set, um, Go through there, and just on the corner, there's a pizza hut. Uh, and I think it, no, it used to be a pizza hut, but now it's a Papa John's, but you'll see it. It's just across the street from there. Um, do you have these moments where as someone's telling you something, there is another voice in your head saying something else? Uh, my inner monologue was saying, I can't take this guy's direction seriously. Um, I'm not going to listen. I'm just going to nod and pretend to listen, but when he goes, I'm going to try and find somebody else. Um, I couldn't take his direction seriously. Uh, I wonder if sometimes our, our witness to the way of finding Jesus can be like that. I wonder sometimes if when we say it for one reason or another, uh, either it doesn't make sense or the person that hears it thinks, really? Um, I can't take that seriously. Now, here's the challenge. If I had said to the person who was giving me questionable directions, jump in the car and drive me there, he may well have been able to get there. But in the context of hearing what he was saying, for one reason or another, what he was saying, I couldn't get. And I certainly couldn't follow his directions. So as we've been challenging ourselves, uh, what does it look like to refine our evangelistic edge, our evangelistic invitation? One of the things that I've discovered is sometimes when we try and answer the question of what is the gospel, um, some Christians give completely different answers to other Christians. Uh, or sometimes we tell the good news in such a way where it sounds like bad news. Uh, 
And sometimes we, we tell the gospel in such a way where it sounds a little bit like, if you've ever played Monopoly, a get-out-of-jail-free card. And here's the challenge about get-out-of-jail-free-card if you play Monopoly. If I was to say to you, what do you do with the get-out-of-jail-free-card, for most of us, the answer would be you kind of put it down somewhere and, and forget that you have it, and at some point it may come in handy. It doesn't change the way you play the game. So if that's our gospel message, um, and it doesn't change the way you live your life, then, then there's something missing there. So we've been looking at what is the gospel? What directions are we giving? If someone is to ask the way, um, of which Jesus said that he is the way, but if someone is asking what is the way, could we tell them in such a way where not only would it make sense, but they would actually take our directions seriously and follow them? So I want to look at that in terms of what is the gospel and how do we tell that story? Uh, I love stories. And I believe that all good stories um, start in a way that captures you, that invites you in. I love it when someone tells a story and you can almost imagine as if you're there. You can sense it, you can can smell it, you you can engage with it. And I believe that when Jesus told the stories of the good news, when Jesus announced good news, uh, it was worth listening to. So my hope is that we will refine our story in a way that we can tell, in a way that people go, wow, I want, to, I want to step into this story. So where do all good stories begin? In the beginning. Uh, and I believe the gospel begins in Genesis. And to quote Simon Sinek, who's this guy who did a TED Talk that most people have seen, wrote a book called Start With, with Why, he tells us that we often look at the what and the how, and the how... Um, pray this prayer and the what eternal life relationship with God. But behind that, what is the why? What is the question of why did God create this, these people in, in the first place? And we see the answer in Genesis. So to return to the beginning of the story, uh, which is where I believe our gospel understanding needs to begin, we see that God loves his creation. We see that God is pleased with his creation. And as we read through the Genesis account, we see that God, his fingerprints are all over his creation, of which the pinnacle of his creation are men and women. They're made in his image. They're super special. So the question of why did he make them, I think we can answer fairly simply by saying he made men and women because he loved them and because he wanted to be in relationship with them. That's the beginning And that's the same for everyone today. That's why he made us. We're unique. We're made in his image. We're special. Uh, The Genesis account says that it's good. And when it finishes and when people are made, it's very good. God is pleased. So we see that the, the why of creation is because God loves us. He's got a plan for us. He's got a purpose for us. And it's good. And that's where the good news begins. Now, you don't need to read far into your Bible to read that things go wrong and that we mess up and we do things that we shouldn't do. And thankfully, that isn't the end of the story. But in our gospel understanding, uh, I would caution us against leaping from that moment to Good Friday where we get to the rescue plan. Um, Sometimes when we do that, we run the risk of deleting all of the Old Testament uh, and the life of Jesus as if that's not important. But actually, as we read through all of scripture, we see 
that the God that loves his creation continues to reach out to them. We see of stories of covenant uh, and of a God that keeps reaching out through Abraham and then Israel. And it gets wider that God is reaching out to his people and he always has. And the Old Testament ends uh, almost like a, this can't be the end. Like a movie when you get to the end scene, you're like, that can't be how it ends. Uh, thankfully, it isn't how it ends. Because when the New Testament begins, as we approach Christmas, we read the familiar words of angels saying, hey, good news, Emmanuel, God is with us. Um, it is this, this coming together of everything that was prophesied, everything in the Old Testament, where God is present in human form. And that's good news. So the good news begins there. And obviously the good news is the life of Jesus, that God is stepping in to his creation to restore humanity through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the plan of salvation, to make a way to reach out to us, a way that, that, that we couldn't make, something that we couldn't do. And it's good news. And when we read on through the rest of the Old Testament, we continue to celebrate the stories that is the fulfillment of everything in Christ uh, and how the plan of salvation makes everything possible. And the Bible ends in Revelation the last book of the Bible in Revelation 21 and 22, which talks about another garden and a city, and it's peaceful, and everything is different. It talks about there being no more crying or mourning or death, because it says the old order of things has passed away. And it almost sounds like we're back in Eden, that God is with his people, and his people are with God, and it's a relationship and it's good. And it's made possible because of Jesus. So all of the Bible tells a story of a God that loves his creation, that loves people. It isn't just a Good Friday story. It's the whole story that God loves people and he always has. Uh, and Jesus, through his life, death and resurrection fulfills the old covenant and brings in a new covenant that makes it possible for that restoration plan where it ends like we're back at the beginning. And it's good. And it's very good. So we have the task, um, we have the opportunity to respond to that and we have the task to continue to tell that story in a way that offers people invitations where they can respond and come into that story. I love the fact that it isn't just a story that happens once, but it's a story that continues, that this is always and has always been God's heart. If you read the, the Hebrew, the ancient text of Genesis 1, when you read through the story of the creation account, there's two English translations, uh, two Hebrew words that are used when it talks about God creating. One of the words is Asa and one is Bara. This is what they mean. When it talks about God creating and it uses the word Asa, there is a sense of finished creation. It talks about the sun and the moon. They're created once and they don't need to be created again. But when it uses the word bara, it talks of a continued creation. Uh, and that's the word that it used when it talks about God making men and women. There is a continuation to the creation. It doesn't stop then. They are told to continue to recreate. And some scholars have argued that a better translation of in the beginning God created uh, could be in the beginning God began to create. 
that this story is still creating. This story is still going on. That is where it begins. That's where it flows. And the story goes back to this. God loves his creation. And we have the wonderful task of telling them that and inviting them back into the relationship that was always meant to be there. I've strayed from my notes hugely. Let's see if I can find find the way back. Now, I believe that we need to hear God afresh for this. I believe that the good news needs to sound like good news. I believe that we need to, to tell people uh, the very beginning that there is a God that loves you, and has a plan for you, and always has loved you. Most people's response to that is one of, really? Uh, that's not my experience. But for some people, they're like, wow. And I've said to some people, what if that's true? What if that was your experience? People are interested in that kind of conversation. Now, we can't avoid the fact that we mess up. Um, We can't avoid the fact that we sin. Uh, Sin as a word doesn't have the same impact that it used to have in previous generations. But we do need to recognize that we all fall short and mess, mess up. We mustn't dilute the importance of the cross. But I believe that there is an invitation where when we hear the heart of God for humanity, when we hear God's heart for people, there's something in us that moves us beyond ourselves. Well-known passage uh, in the New Testament says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. And I want us to be generous with our sowing seeds of love and hope and help to a world that so desperately needs that. I want us to be generous in how we do that. So I believe we need to hear God afresh We need to hear the story that is there is this God that loves people. Uh, When I was traveling last month, I was at an airport. I was at the airport and I had quite a long wait. Uh, The flight that I was about to catch had been delayed and then I had a long flight. So I was catching up on on, uh, emails and someone had sent me a talk and they said, can you listen to this talk? I'd really appreciate some feedback. Um, This is a young guy who's who's on one of our teams and I'm trying to help him. I said, like, okay, this is a great opportunity. I listened to his talk. I reach into my bag and I've got some headphones. And they're kind of semi, they they don't quite block out all the sound of everything around you, but they nearly do. So they're quite good. I've got one of these laptops that's super skinny, really minimalistic, not got many plugs on the side. So I need to use an adapter to plug the headphones in, which fortunately I had in the bag. So I think this is a great time. I'll sit here at the gate. I'll listen to this guy's talk. So I plug them in. I press play. Uh, I can hear it, but it's really faint. Now, there's quite a lot of noise around me, so I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's too quiet. So I start, I, I turn it up, and I still can't hear it, and it's really faint. But there's people around me that are looking at me kind of weird, um, but I don't know why. I think, well, hey, we're all tired. It's early morning. We've got a long flight. Uh, maybe they had to get up early to get here. So I keep turning up, and I still can't hear it. And now the person opposite me is looking at me really, really strangely. <laughs> I'm thinking, what's going on here? And then the penny dropped. That Everyone around me could hear it, but I couldn't because I hadn't quite pushed the headphone in far enough. Uh, it wasn't quite there. And I wasn't quite hearing what I needed to hear. Although everyone around me could hear it. Uh, that's challenged me that sometimes I wonder if in our busyness, uh, church activities, 
good efforts, good wills. Um, everything's missional. I wonder if we've missed something of the importance of what is the story and do we need to hear afresh God's heart for people? That heart that sends his son, that God loved the whole world. How do we let that affect us, infuse us, um, stir us and provoke us to action? Are we hearing that? Or is it just somewhere in the background? Do we need to hear that afresh? Jesus said in Matthew 9, Luke 10 and John 4, that the fields are ripe for harvest. Now, I don't want to sound um, heretical here, but sometimes it feels like we've disagreed with him. It feels like we've expected it to be hard. So Jesus is saying, hey, the fields are ripe for harvest, look around you. And sometimes we've almost created a theology of doubt that the fields aren't ripe for harvest. It's going to be really hard. It's going to take five years of conversations, two fun days, four alpha courses, and then we may be able to offer Jesus at some point. We've expected it to be really hard. And Jesus is suggesting, hey, the fields are really ripe for harvest, but the workers, for one reason or another, are reluctant or are few, to quote the actual passage. What we believe affects what we do. Um, I've got a weather app on my phone, and it lies to me all the time. <laughs> but I still believe it. And there's times when I'm thinking, oh, I want to go fishing. And the weather app says it's going to rain all night. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't be bothered to do that. So I don't go. And then it doesn't rain all night. And I sit there annoyed. Oh, my goodness. Um, there was a time when people believed the world was flat. And in that time, most of those people didn't travel because they were scared they might fall off. So what we believe shapes what happens next. So when Jesus says the fields are ripe for harvest, we have to believe him to be true. Therefore, that changes the way we, we do what we do. That changes the way we tell stories. Jesus said it would be easy which sounds crazy to make that statement, but Jesus said people are really open. And recent research in the UK is suggesting that that is the case. I'll tell you some personal examples and stories. Uh, earlier on in the, in the year, I was wandering into to, uh, city centre of Southampton to go to Pret to buy a sandwich. Um, this is an awkward story to tell at Central Hall because we have a coffee shop that sells sandwiches, but they're not as good as the sandwiches from Pret. So I was wandering into town to go to Pret to buy a sandwich, and as I was walking past Debenhams, the department store, there was an elderly gentleman in front of me who was walking along with a walking frame. And I heard this noise, and I looked up, and it had fallen over. So I instantly thought I should go and help him. And as I wandered over to him to see if he needed help, he kind of put his foot underneath, volleyed it in the air, caught it, and he was good to go. Um, <laughs> So clearly he didn't need me, but there was a, something in me that felt, see if he's okay. So I said, hey, are you okay? And he looked at me and said, no, not really, um, which was not the answer I expected. He then proceeded to say to me uh, that, that he's recently nearly died twice. Um, he's been having heart problems. And he said, and both times, and when he said this, this was the point of, oh, there it is. He said, both times I woke up, I came around in a hospital bed, and all my family and friends were there. 
And both times the doctor said, somebody up there is looking after you. And when he said that, I thought, oh, okay, there's the, there's the prompt. I thought, what do you say? We're talking about always being ready. So I said to him, do you know who it is? Uh, he said, no, not really. Do you? I said, I think I might. So we had this conversation. Um, I said, I think it's Jesus. I think it's God. This seems to be the case. And I said to him, I'm minister from the church over the road and blah, blah, blah. And we had a talk. And I ended by saying, John, it sounds like God keeps trying to save you. He said, yeah, it does. I said, when we meet Jesus, it's like the same thing. Would you like to meet Jesus? He said, yes, I would. It was really easy. And my inner monologue is saying, this is too easy. But Jesus is saying the fields are ripe for harvest. Therefore, for goodness sake, go out and do something about it. Um, I finished with this guy and I said, hey, I'd love to chat and pray some more. I didn't know whether he would come back. The problem with some of these wonderful conversations is they happen once and sometimes the follow-up, meeting them again, doesn't happen. I said to him, look, if you want to meet up again, he didn't want to give me his number. I said, that's fine. I said, we've got a coffee shop on the side of our building. We make really good sandwiches. Come and see me. Uh, and he did. And I didn't expect it, but I had a phone call from someone in the office to say, there's an elderly gentleman in the, in, in the coffee shop. Um, he's asking for you. And I went and chatted with him. And he was telling me how he's been praying and how when he prays, it's like there's someone in the room. He said, I've got a shed at the end of my garden. I've cleared out the tools and I've made it like a prayer space. Is that, is that okay? I said, that's fine. He said, when I pray, he said, it's almost like there's a fog, like a smoke in the room. Is that normal? Um, and I wanted to say, yes, that's normal. That happens every time I pray too. But sadly, I've been to prayer meetings where that, doesn't, where that hasn't happened. So I just listened. And I just was inspired again by the gospel and the good news that still saves today. Um, we've had several times where this has happened. We had one experience where uh, in the spring of this year, there was a lady walking around uh, the building. And I didn't know who she was. And I just said, hi, is there someone that you're, you're here to meet? And she said, uh, no, I don't know why I'm here, which is a strange answer to a question. I said, well, um, I don't know either, but can I help? She said, there was something in me that drew me to the building. I don't know what it was. I said, oh, okay. Um, I wonder if it's God. So I said, well, we're a church. This is what we believe. Had a conversation. She was a Muslim lady who was here from Iran for six months. Um, had a long conversation. And she said, this is different. This is, this is more than a prophet. This changes everything. The God I believe in is, is over there, but the God you're talking about is, is here and close, and, and I can experience this now. Um, and I prayed with her, and she prayed to me, Jesus. And just at that time, there was a lady in our church that walked past. I said, can you, can you spend some time with this person? I need, I've got a meeting I need to go to. And I went to this meeting, not knowing if it was just a fleeting moment. I came back, and uh, they were going through Why Jesus, the Alpha Materials. And they'd been there for an hour and a half, uh, that lady was in church every Sunday over the six months that she was in Southampton. And she joined the community cafe team and served. And it was a powerful change. And it just took me by surprise uh, that there is an openness in people where Jesus was right all along. The fields are ripe for harvest. And we've been believing things that aren't necessarily true. The weather app that tells you that this is going to happen when it doesn't. We've told ourselves it's going to be hard. 
And maybe, maybe there's an openness and an opportunity that Jesus said was there all along. Um, now, as I'm talking about this, you may take the view, that's fine, that's, that's the work of the evangelist. I'm not convinced it is. I think it's the mission of the church. Uh, there are some people that are anointed evangelists and stories just follow them around and things like this happen often. But I think it's the mission of the church that when we refine the story that begins in the beginning, that God loves humanity. And through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, he is restoring it to how it was always meant to be. Then that is the very reason we're here. That is the mission of the church. Turn with me to John 1, verse 35. I'm going to read verse 35 to 46. Now we're reading early in the gospel. This is before uh, anything's happened. So this is, this is early on before we read of the so many powerful gospel experiences and healings and teachings of Jesus. It says this. The following day, John was standing with two of his disciples as Jesus walked by. John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. I love this text because there's so many words in there which provoke an action. So many invitation words. This sense where... As Jesus walks past, John tells people to look. He points in a particular direction. When they express an interest in who Jesus is, Jesus says to him, come and follow. When Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, was with them, he heard what John said. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. So there's, there's this pointing, there's this hearing there's this seeing, there's this following, and there's doubt. At the end, we read, I love this beautiful little sentence at the end. Nazareth, explained Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? 
uh, Nathanael does not believe. And Philip doesn't try and convince him to believe. Philip says to him, come and see for yourself. I love the simplicity of Philip's invitation. It's just the come and see for yourself. I wonder if we've overcomplicated it sometimes. And actually all we need to do is tell people the good news and then invite them to come and see for themselves. Come and see. Come and have a look. It's why Alpha still works. Because people come and see. And there is an openness. I think it's God's heart. I think it always has been. So when we return to the passage which we started with, we are feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I like the peace element. I like the fact that this isn't about striving. This isn't about um, telling people bad news to then put some good news on the end. But this is the gospel of peace. This is good news. So my hope, my prayer, will be that we will be always ready with the gospel of peace, the good news that is found on page one and flows all the way through scripture. That there is a God that loves his creation and he always has. And through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, we have a a restoration story that changes everything. And it's possible and accessible to anybody. We just need to be ready and willing for those moments where we don't expect it. But we need to be ready and willing. I love the way it flows all the way through. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the, the last year's big movie, La La Land. Uh, if you've not seen it, I won't spoil the end. If you have seen it, what a shocking end. Um, anyway, it's a great musical and there's uh, lots of songs. But if you listen carefully, there's one song that kind of plays all the way through. And it, it, it's quite subtle in some songs and other times... Um, it it kind of comes in for 10 seconds and it goes back to a different song. And then there's that moment where it's massive and the main song is the main song and it's the full orchestra. And I sometimes wonder if the good news of God and of the gospel is like that in scripture and that it weaves its way all the way through and there is that big orchestra moment, which is Jesus. Um, but it's the same song that's always being played, that God loves his people and that we have the pleasure and the task of telling people that and inviting them to enter this story. So I'm going to pray that we would do that. I'm going to pray for us um, corporately, but also I'm praying for us personally. So Father, first I pray, Lord, that you would... Help us to have the heart that you have for your creation. That you would help us to hear well. Lord, that we would not miss the moments. But that we would be attentive to the silent whispers, the gentle prompts, the Holy Spirit nudges. Lord, that we would always be ready, uh, even when we don't expect it, Lord. That we would have your heart for your creation. Lord, we're sorry for the times when we have doubted or we have not believed you when you said, look around you, look around you, look around you. 
the fields are ripe for harvest. Lord, we're sorry when we've disagreed and said, no, they're not. Uh, Lord, help us to see what you see. Help us to hear what you hear. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a fresh, a fresh confidence, a fresh readiness to tell people uh, the story that you told when you arrived. Hey, good news. Good news. That there is a God that loves every single person and he always has. And that he's reaching out to you and to me and he always has. And all we need to do is come and see. Lord, I pray that you empower us with the wow, the wonder, and the simplicity of the gospel that still saves today. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.